This is the WZ Podcast with J-Rod here, deleted WrestleZone, very own podcast of professional wrestling from AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. I am your host, J-Rod here, folks. So, this entire episode is all about AEW All Out. Now, I want to apologize to those. I normally would do these podcast episodes on Sundays, but since today is a Tuesday, there's a reason to that. Um, I want to get this out of the way. Uh, This past Sunday, I was at church. Uh, Something happened with my mother. She wasn't feeling too well, and it's not COVID, apparently. I don't know what it is, but please give your prayers and thoughts to my mother. Uh, She's doing okay, but I'm still worried about her. And, of course, I was off focus because, you know, um, if you guys, I want to confess to everybody, I'm a mama's boy, and that's the reason I love my mother. She support me, even she supports me when I do these podcasts and YouTube stuff, all about pro wrestling, and she is very supportive of that. And you know, and I appreciate you guys if you can do that just for me. Uh, so right now, let's get to it. Right now with AEW All Out, as you know, it's hands down one of the best pay per views ever, and they booked it just right now i know i've been seeing a lot of positive reviews coming from wrestling fans wrestlers even the wwe wrestlers were like jealous and there's those that congratulated other people Um, i mean it's amazing how things have changed just like that but let's talk for a a little bit about the event let's start with the buy-in which normally is the most boring thing but however the the match they had was a 10-man tag team match where we have the Hardy family office consistent of Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2 being accompanied by The Blade taking on Wheeler Yuta, Chuck Taylor, and Orange Cassidy being teaming with the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus who also had Marco Stunt. I have to say, there was a lot of spots in that movie, in that completely match. I was like... So good with the idea how the match was going. It was great. I mean, you could lose control of the, in the shuffle. I mean, there's five on five, and that's kind of. And don't forget, there's outside help from both sides. You got the blade on uh, HFO. You got Marco Stunt outside uh, with the Jurassic Express. But however, the match ended in favoritism of Cassidy Yuda. Taylor and Jurassic Express. However, we just saw the return of the Blade, who we haven't seen for quite some time. Uh, he, according to the last report about him, he injured his thumb or something like that. I'm not sure. I hope it does not affect his guitar wrestling ability because if you guys know this or not, um, the Butcher's a wrestler, uh, a guitarist for a band called Every Time I Die, and I think that kind of would suck in every aspect because of that, but. You know that that's just me talking, but I have to say it was great to see him back. However, they, um, when uh, Yuta and and Chuck were trying to help, there were no match for the entire group. But here comes the other assistants, consistent of John Silver, Ten, the Varsity Blondes, and Dante Martin. I thought it was a pretty good moment to see all of them, and they gave the big hug. Everybody. You got to give what the people what they want. And I thought that was a pretty good match. I think it was a pretty good, even though some people would consider the buy-in as the most boring uh, matches ever. But this one, I have to say, was pretty good. I'm not going to lie about that.
Now, let's get to the main event, the main card. Opening match for the main card we had is the AEW TNT title between Eddie Kingston and Miro. I have to say, uh, it was a really good match because, you know, you can see Eddie Kingston, who, of course, he's one of the most dedicated workers ever we have ever witnessed who knows how long but it's pretty amazing how he was able to pull out the ddt but it did not have no much of an effect with nero who proclaims himself to be the the redeemer god's favorite champion so i thought it was a good match however eddie kingston fell out short when he couldn't beat Miro for the title and i thought it was oh man that's that's pretty good but it was awesome now, the next match, we have the debut of, of course, Japanese legend Satoshi Kojima taking on Moxley. Now, originally, we were supposed to have Tanahashi versus Moxley, but however, there was no way Tanahashi could make it in time. The reason behind that was because Tanahashi, around the same time this was happening, uh, he was scheduled to, to put the IWGP United States title against Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Grand Slam at... MetLife Dome in Yokohama on the 4th of of September, which was the day before in Japanese time. So there was no way he would have made it in time. But uh, they replaced him with Satoshi, and I thought it was pretty good. Um, the match was great, but that's not the important part. When John Moxley won the match, we just saw the appearance of the king, Minoru Suzuki. I thought that was the greatest moment. Now, for those who ask yourself, why is that important? Now, if you guys never followed New Japan Pro Wrestling, Minoru Suzuki was one of the dream matches that many fans, including this one right here who's talking to you, that we wanted to see John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. And our wish came true for that. But... I thought that match was great, but now we're seeing part two. Now, Minoru Suzuki, if you guys know this or not, he's currently in the U.S. doing some shows. He uh, he has a four-day of uh, shows with GCW starting this month. Uh, he, his appearance will be on the 17th with GCW against Jonathan Gresham. But, however, this match between him and Moxley, it's going to be another classic. But as, or should I say, as what Jim Ross says, this is going to be a a slobber knocker. And I say he's right. And of course, the the wrestling world was buzzing. People took photos with the king. Emi Sakura uh, had it get comments from him, but of course he's like <laughs> Yeah, that sadistic laugh. It gives me the chills every time I, I see him, you know? I, I mean, I love Minoru Suzuki. He's one of the, the most best wrestlers I've ever watched, even for a guy who's in his fifties. You know, and that's what I love about it. Now, the next match we have is the AEW Women's World Title. We have Chris Satlander along with Orange Cassidy taking on Britt Baker, being accompanied by Rebel and Jamie Hayter. Now, as you know, I always did notice that there was going to be helping hand, but thank God that Orange Cassidy was there to keep them at bay because Orange would never uh, touch a woman unless if they tried to play little mind games with them. But... It didn't work this time. And the match was pretty good. I mean, look, we need to ask ourselves, do we really need to see Britt Baker lose this match to Chris Satlander? Who knows? But 
I think the real test would be whoever won, won the AEW Women's Casino Battle Royale. And that is something we can talk about because uh, we'll explain to that in a bit. But the match was great. I mean, I was surprised that she pulled off the the the, the version of Tequila Sunrise, which is like the Canadian Destroyer version, onto on Chris Satlander, which is a move that normally we see with um, with Adam Cole. But it was awesome. But however, the match ended with Chris Satlander being on the lockjaw. Chris, I think, passed out. And I thought it was, like, a very good match. But I think it may be, like, okay, who will be the lucky contender? But we'll find out when we get to, of course, the Women's Casino Battle Royale. Now, the next match, this was part two of the history with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Let's go back 2019 in the very first ever all-out pay-per-view. That particular match was called Escalera de la Muerte. It's called The Ladder of Death. Hold on, folks. My phone is buzzing. Bueno. Okay. Okay, bye. Sorry, folks, that was my father uh, letting me know he's on his way to see my mother since I mentioned she was not feeling too well. But anyway, so that particular match, the ladder of death, it was also a championship title. But not this is not this is before the AEW World Tag Team titles. This was for the Triple A World Tag Team titles, which is from the promotion Triple A. And that particular match was. A classic. Uh, it was so over the top, so intensify. I'll never forget, like right after, where uh, Papa Buck was telling both Nick and Matt, like uh, Nick, uh, uh, Nick comes out, like saying, "I'm still alive," and then of course Papa Buck goes, "Thank God," but you and your brother gave your mother and I a heart attack. I just laughed so hard when I saw that tweet. I I could not stop laughing. And then, of course, Matt reply, uh, uh, followed up saying, okay, okay, okay. Cero miedo is not a catchphrase, is a way of life. And Papa Buck reply, uh, re put, uh, replied on this. Build a backyard, build a ring in the backyard, they said. It'll be safe, they said. But you and your brother give your mother and I a heart attack. <laughs> I'll never forget that because that's a, that's a classic for any parent. They have to watch the grown-ass kids put themselves into. I just thought it was so classic. And I will never forget that match. But now we get to see a much intensified match with the Lucha Brothers. These guys have been battling back and forth anywhere. Like, we, I see matches in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. I see matches at the Crash Lucha Libre. Anywhere in the world, these guys will always fight each other. And it's one of those classic rivalries, and I think it played out pretty well. And I, I didn't think so much how this is going to go out because, of course, the, the story of the building up, they're tired of the elite getting in their way, and they build a cage to keep them out. But, of course, uh, Cutler Stooge decided to th throw a duffel bag with, a, with some sneakers with thumbtacks in it, 
And, of course, it kind of got to Penta and to Ray Phoenix, but it did not stop them there. And I had to say, it was one of the most classic matches when Phoenix gets jumps off the cage and lands right on top of the Bucks and his brother and spiking um, Nick Jackson. But, however, uh, Ray Phoenix contained Matt in order to, for Penta to pick up the, the pinfall and winning the match with the 1-2-3 becoming the AEW World Tag Team Champions. Now, this is one of those classic matches. It looks like lightning stri uh, strike twice for the Young Bucks with their epic rivalry with the Lucha Brothers. And I have to say, like I said, another classic match between these two rivals. Now, let's talk about what we wanted to hear. The Women's Casino Battle Royale. Now, I didn't know too much how to the, to expect, but I have to say, let's go with who was in what suit. For the clubs, we have Hikaru Shida, Sky Blue, Emi Sakura, The Bunny, Abaddon. Now, the Diamonds, Anna Jay, Kira Hogan, Kylan King, Diamante, Nyla Rose. For the hearts, Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford, Riho, Jamie Hayter, Big Swole. For the spades, Tay Conti, Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch, Jade Cargill, and Rebel. Now, the Joker, this is one of those nights that we will never forget. The speculation was it was someone we know. A recent one of the June releases of WWE. It's Ruby Soho. I was so happy to see her because, you know, I feel WWE never gave her the opportunity that, that, that she deserved, you know? And I have to say best booking ever with this because uh, here's the thing a lot of female wrestlers they never got the opportunities that they deserve like we have talk we want to see this person win like we, who could forget how we talk about asuka she should have been already when before she had the losing streak losing her streak we all question she should have been champion right from the start but no it didn't happen that way but ruby so what an amazing entrance but i had but the best part, right at the end of the match, was Ruby Soho and Thunder Rosa. And it became like one of those classic moments in this Casino Battle Royale. Because Thunder Rosa is one of the most highly respected female wrestlers of all time. And I feel, I mentioned her too many times over about how she's one of the true leaders of women's wrestling. How she's passionate about it. And, and that kind of makes me talk more about her. But Ruby Soho, she's another conversation about it. And I was so happy when she won. And, and of course, she couldn't hold her emotions, including when she got out. Because when she came out on her entrance. But let's talk about this moment about Ruby Soho. You probably ask yourselves, where did she got, did she got the name from that punk rock song by Rancid, Ruby Soho? The answer to that question is yes. During a uh, post-show uh, scrum, she mentioned that uh, she's good friends with the guitarist, Lars Fredrickson. And I found a the podcast interview with her 
along with Mars and two others, and they were discussing about the names. Now, here's the, the story behind this that none of you know. Her her name before the Indies was Heidi uh, Lovelace. She hated that name. Uh, she said that that was not a name that she picked, but it was the people who trained her in the backyard that gave her that. But when she got to WWE and she put the name Ruby, that was part of the what she wanted because Ruby Soho's was her favorite song. And, of course, she clarified that in the podcast that he, she put it out. And, and this is what happened. Lars Fredericks suggested use the name Ruby Soho and I'll clear up with the guys. And sure enough, Rancid gave her permission to use the name but also use the song as an entrance. I have to say it's one of the best blessings that Ruby So has ever gotten because I what she she reveals something that none of, none of us know. I know some of you would say punk rock is not real music, J Rod. Uh, I would agree with you, but that that's everybody's opinion. There's punk rock bands who are fans of of wrestling, and Rancid is one of them. And of course, she has now got permission to use the name and the themes and the song Ruby Soho. And I thought it was great. And she is now happy. And what I found that something interesting, it was just revealed today. It was just told, reports just came told that uh, Sarah Logan was at AEW All Out. No, she wasn't wrestling. She was there along with her baby to give support to Ruby. And it was like one of the best moments. And I just saw on Twitter, we saw, if you saw this on Twitter, we had uh, Liv Morgan. Tegan Knox, uh, several other women wrestlers in WWE are, are happy for her that she is now going to take the world by storm. And I have to say it is. And I'm so happy that she's finally here with AW. And I think this is the line of opportunities just for her. And she said that this is a great place to be in. She can't stop talking about it. And she can't wait to bring out a side of her that's never been seen you know, before, even when she was known as Ruby Riot, and I can't wait to see how this is going to go. Now, the next match is the final fight. If Jericho loses, he will step away from rings, from doing in-ring work for good and be commentating. This is a, ma a match between MJF and Chris Jericho. Where it was a pretty good um, uh, match. Of course, MJF being the troll that he is, decides the fuck with the people doing the Y2J stitch to get him and to get them hate him more. And I thought it was pretty good how he got the people booed him on that. I mean, he plays the perfect heel, and we always can talk about that. But Jericho came out with a member of Fozzie on his guitar singing the song, and I think Jericho wanted to hear that chant with the fans without the music. If you guys remember. One of the labors of Jericho, there was no Judas, no um, no entrance, the uh, no use of the Judas effect, and and that kind of played out pretty well, you know, for for Jericho on this, and I thought it was a classic moment, but the match itself was pretty good, but I think I don't know if this is gonna play it out well in the story where MJF thought he won the match, but a referee informed. Aubrey Edwards, who was refing, saying that Jericho's foot was on the ring ropes. 
And, of course, she had no other choice that it was, of course, they had to restart it. Now, MJF was not a happy camper with that. But, of course, he had to go it. But, however, Jericho put him in his infamous submission move, the Walls of Jericho, forcing MJF to tap out. Now, you probably say, why didn't he pull the Judas effect? That would have been an easy way to, for for uh, for MJF to catch the, the Judas effect and put him in the the that armbar that he normally uses. And it would play it out a pretty good way. But having the Walls of Jericho be like the anticipated uh move that you will not expect and I think it was great and of course Jericho won the match when he tapped out and the rest of the inner circle comes out to celebrate that their leader is still gonna still stay but I have that distinct feeling that this Wednesday MJF is gonna start a little beef with Aubrey Edwards because he's gonna say he won the match fair and square but however because the other ref told her, nope, it, his foot was on the ropes. I don't know if MJF will start a problem with him too, but we'll see what happens then. Now, the next match, it's another classic match with Darby Allen versus CM Punk. Now, I know many of you fans would say there's going to be ring rust from Punk. I would 100% agree with you, but however... That doesn't seem the case at this point. Reason I say that is because the way I see it, I see it. Punk did a pretty good job. Tried to put the GTS on Darby on multiple occasions, but always got out. Then the moment was the coffin drop where Punk got out of the way. He anticipated that move. But, of course, finally we see him put the G, uh, GTS on um, on Darby, allowing him to self the win. And I think it felt great because we all know All Out took place in Chicago. And, of course, Sting comes out here and shakes Punk's hand. And then, of course, Darby does the same thing, too. So, basically, Darby knows he lost, but what's next for him from there? We don't know. However, I wouldn't be surprised about this CM Punk is not the only wrestler who does the GTS if you guys don't know who I'm referring to I'm referring to Kenta he also does the GTS and apparently he's not a happy camper I saw this on Twitter it appears he has a beef with CM Punk for using the GTS now we need to say who does the GTS better, Punk or Kenta? I wouldn't be surprised that Kenta flies out from Japan and heads to AEW and begins a rivalry with Punk. And I think that would be another classic match because we're going to have the battle. Who does the GTS better? And to be honest with you, I would love to see that happen. Definitely. Now, this next match, this was almost axed by Tony Khan. We almost had this match not happen. It was QT Marshall, along with the factory, taking on Paul White. Now, this thing happened when Paul White came out to help Tony Schiavone and his son. When QT decided to disrespect Tony Schiavone by humiliating his son. And then, of course, 
the gun club turned on him, and basically that's what happened. But the match was okay, I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't think QT's going to have a good field day knowing that he lost to a guy like him, despite the fact that he was using the hip as a way to get out of it. But no, it didn't work. So um, I wasn't too much hype anymore with this one because the other one, the other ones were great. But uh, but I kind of felt okay. Big Show won this one. Just give him one match. But we'll see what happens then. Now the main event is for the AEW World Title between Christian Cage and Kenny Omega. Another classic match between those two, two Canadians who battled before or battled up for this match. And of course, it, it kind of played out in a good way because we also expected that there was going to be interference from Don Callis but of course uh, it did it turned out great however when Cage loses the match to Kenny here comes the elite and they start beating down Christian Cage Jurassic Express tries to help out Kenny was coming out with the promo saying that all this that no one can beat him either you're alive or you're dead or you're just retired then all of a sudden we just see Adam Cole, baby! We all thought, as everybody, that somehow the rivalry was going to happen between both Kenny and Adam Page. If you guys don't know what I'm referring to, if you guys are new to this, you probably ask, what am I talking about? The, originally, we were supposed to have a Bullet Club Civil War between the leadership between Kenny and Adam. But apparently, the, that leadership role kind of went off when Adam Cole got recruited with, a, with WWE about four years ago. And they killed off his character on BT, and they just brought him back from the dead. But it was great. And of course, we saw Adam Cole now is a member of the Elite, which was kind of surprising, but it fits perfectly. But however, we just saw another person make his appearance, and I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, is back. And I have to say it was one of the most, and I would not imagine having him in there. I know Adam Cole was amongst those that people were saying he's going to show up. But Tony Khan pulled it off all right. He pulled his cards out, and boom, that's how it happened. I was so happy with the whole thing, and... I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Now, in the post-scrum shows, both men explained the reasons. Now, Adam Cole said that he has appeared in AEW, but on backstage to show his support to his real-life girlfriend, Britt Baker. And, of course, he's good friends with Kenny and the Bucks and everyone else in the Elite. And it kind of plays out pretty well. And I think for him, he felt like there was... But this is what just came on today. It turns out this is the biggest bullshit coming from WWE ever. They were planning to have Adam Cole as a heel manager. When I heard this, I was like, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me, WWE? You want to make a very talented wrestler a manager? What the fuck, WWE? What's wrong with you? And when I heard this, I was like so... Piss. I'm like, okay, that is it. WWE don't know what the fuck they're doing at this point. But I'm glad Adam Cole had the sense to leave. Now, I don't know if he was aware of this whole thing. But however, he felt in his heart this is where he wanted to be. 
And thank God that it, he chose the right one. Now, Daniel Bryan's case is a little different. He did mention a few reasons why he came to AEW. One of them, Brody Lee. And it's the same kind of similar circumstances that CM Punk said. Now, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'll explain it. If you guys remember, Brody Lee's condition was kept secret from the public and the news outlets because, of course, uh, Amanda Hubber, his wife, or should I say his widow, did not want to put the dirt sheet out there. And she told everybody specifically to keep your mouths shut. And everybody did. There was no confirmed reports about what was going on until it happened. And, of course, that's one of the things why Daniel Bryan liked it because they kept quiet. Unlike WWE, sometimes information gets leaked and all this dirt shit comes out. And I think AEW is one of those spots where we talk about they like to keep things quiet until if and they want this out too. But, no, it didn't happen. But, but of course, there's wrestlers that – uh, uh, Brian Danielson, he wants to wrestle. Like, guys that he knows he can kick their ass. And that is one of the reasons. And I have to say it's pretty darn well about this. I have to say, like I keep saying, AEW is one, uh, all out is one of the best pay-per-views of the year. Now, let's talk about the aftermath. What's been going on? Cedric Alexander. If you guys know this or not, his real-life wife is Big Swole. And he just admitted on Twitter he's jealous. And some of you guys are saying, bullshit. No, he is jealous, guys, because think about it. How often do you see pay-per-views like this? We hardly get to see Cedric Alexander. A year ago or two, uh, ACH said he wants to save Cedric Alexander from WWE. And... I hope, down the line, Cedric Alexander is let go because we could see more talent coming to AEW sooner than we think. But there's more to what took place because of this pay-per-view. If you guys heard or not, Vince McMahon did not appear in the backstage area at last night's Monday Night Raw. Some of you are saying, why he didn't show up. According to them, no one knows. But the speculation is, because of the success of AEW All Out, I think right now Vince McMahon is sinking this whole success of AEW too hard. Now, for all the WWE haters out there, you probably say to yourself, AEW is, gonna, is full of trash. They're going to disappear soon. You just wait and see. They're a bunch of garbage. Uh... They're still here. So that's the problem right there. I have to say Tony Khan put up the best pay-per-view ever. The best booking. Pulled his cards out with the debuts of three wrestlers in one night. Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson. Can WWE top that? The answer to that is hell to the no. You know why? Because they're not thinking logic. And right now, WWE could suffer a big loss. Now, recently today, there was a report saying Mick Foley is warning WWE about 
the success of AEW. He's more concerned that that what is going on with AEW, it could actually be the downfall of WWE. Now, we could go back and forth and talk about that, but you probably asked me what could be a problem. Simple. There is some degree because of this that um how do i put this that if wwe continues to go in this direction then there's a chance they could lose everything we all talk about this even i don't mention this vince has been out of touch with wrestling like he doesn't understand certain aspects that's been going on you know like um like for example he said he never understood the whole ultimate deletion thing because he got lost. And uh, we had the same thing with um, with other wrestlers. But now it appears that we could see that change sooner than we think. But we just don't know when that could happen. But um, I don't know. It, it just feels that um AEW is now becoming um how do i say this it is now being one of those promotions that is now this is the place where every wrestler wants to go because i know even adam cole said that his biggest dream was to go to wwe but now he had a change of perspective and that's normal for people how they feel even if you're a wrestler but the real question is, can AEW top all out? And that's a question we have to wait. The next pay-per-view will be in November, which is full gear. And I personally can't wait to see it. Um, hopefully by that time we get to see certain wrestlers that could be there. But that's going to be another conversation for another time. Now I hope you guys enjoyed this particular episode, me talking about AEW all out. Um, I did spoke about it in, in my previous uh, YouTube channel. If you guys follow me, deleted WrestleZone. Um, it's I, sorry it took too long to do this, but I had no other choice. But I'm glad I did it. This episode for all of you today, and there'll be more to come. And uh, be patient with me, please. There's a lot of things that are getting into my way due to the outside stuff. But right now, just be happy we're doing this right now. But for now. I'll see you guys in the next DWZ time. Same DWZ channel. I must bid all of you adieu. So goodbye. And have a nice day. Bang!